Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You're listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm Sam Sanders. To start this episode, let's go back a bit to deep pandemic. There were a lot of before and afters during the pandemic. The pandemic itself was actually kind of the before and after. But in terms of pop culture, one of my biggest before and after moments during those years of pandemic life, it was Olivia Rodrigo. My driver's license last week, just like we always talked about. One week I had never heard of her, and then the next week I couldn't stop singing her song. But today I drove through the suburbs crying because you weren't around. I mean, that was all driver's license. That was the driver's license effect. This is Lindsay Zolads. She's a pop music critic at the New York Times. That song dropped at a moment where everybody was just still sitting alone in Yo. their house, their apartment. Yes. I don't know what wave of COVID that was, Omicron or wherever we were. And then Olivia's like, I'm going to help you scream. Exactly. Let's go. Exactly. And I know we weren't perfect, but I've never felt this way for no one. So and we just hadn't really had a breakout out of nowhere star in a really long time. And she came, you know, at least for people of our generation, as out of nowhere as you possibly could. She was the star or one of the stars of the show um, High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> I can't. You want to get I, that I, right? I always laugh whenever anyone <laughs> says it. Let's try it again. High School Musical, cool. the, musical the Musical, the Series. The series. Yeah. Sequels. It would be insane to think I might actually have a shot at playing Gabriella. I know. Even not though I'd never heard of this show, High School Musical, High School musical the, the Musical, musical the, the Series. series. <laughs> I loved Driver's License, and it was everywhere. On TikTok, on the radio, on Spotify— it was even the subject of an SNL sketch. Yeah, but I still feel it's Taylor. You got a problem? With you being purposefully reductive, yeah, I got a problem. Boss, open your hearts and listen. We're about to get the bridge of our lives. There were two surprises. One is you know, the initial surprise of driver's license, you know, and you're kind of like, is this going to be a one-hit wonder thing? And the second part of the surprise is just, oh, this wasn't a fluke. It's all good. She has jams for days. So Olivia Rodrigo's second album, Guts, is out today. And I'm wondering in this moment... It's brutal out here. How did she surprise us so much before? 
And can she do it again? Was Sour and driver's license a fluke? Or is Olivia really Taylor or Alanis levels of a star with real staying power? This episode, we ask all those questions and take a closer look at this artist who manages to be both quiet and loud, young and old at heart, and a former Disney child star who writes and sings lyrics like these. Happy Olivia Rodrigo week. Oh, yeah. Every week is Olivia Rodrigo (laughs) week to me, especially this one. Yeah, yeah. I was telling you this before we officially started, but I remember hearing Driver's License being like, okay, good for you, big song. But the moment I knew that Olivia was a force was the second single called Deja Vu. And it was so nostalgic, and there was a depth and, a, and just layers to the production and songwriting. There's this moment in the first verse where the background vocals come in as if they're laughing and singing at the same time. And it corresponds to the lyrics in that moment. About how small it looks on you. It was just chills. This wasn't dumb stuff. Everything she was doing was really smart. Yeah, and I think that I love the production on that song and the interplay between, as we're saying, her vocals and the production. Like, it's creating this whole sort of internal universe of Olivia Rodrigo's psyche that we're just, like, living in, in inhabiting this song. And and there's just so much atmosphere and fun little details and dynamicism in the song. Like, that was another level of her. And then you get good for you after that. Which is this, like, insanely furious pop punk song that is just this total expression of anger and and bloodletting and everything else. And that was another left turn for her. Again, it's hard to overstate like how rare that is for a new artist, especially coming out of like, you know, a time when someone goes viral with a single song and they don't necessarily have the whole record to back it up or they're not ready to meet that moment of fame the way that she did. Yeah. And on top of it all, let's be clear here. She could sing. She could belt. She could blow. You know, she could do... This really soft, yearning vocal that you might hear from a Taylor Swift or a Billie Eilish. Know that I love you so bad. I let you treat me like that. I was your But then when she belts, it's like Alanis Morissette. Anywho, this album, big deal. Driver's License made Olivia the youngest artist to debut a song at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. The song reached number one in 25 other countries. And the Grammy goes to... She went on to win Best New Artist at the Grammys. Olivia Rodrigo! Almost overnight, as we stated, this album and single made her as big of a deal as Taylor Swift. 
Critics loved it, too. With all that, how hard is it going to be for Olivia Rodrigo to live up to the expectations on this sophomore album? Yeah, well, there's a reason they call it the sophomore slump. It's the big yeah. curse, you know, the, yeah. the scariest thing yeah. for an artist, especially with a whole album that was embraced the way that it was. Like, Sour has become, you know, it is somehow greater than the sum of its parts. You know what it feels a lot like? and we go, And we'll talk about it more in a bit. It feels a lot like the way Jagged Little Pill mm. was its own entire thing. Yes. I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. Yes, I loved You Ought to Know. Yes, I loved One Hand in My Pocket. But what I want most with that album is to play it top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And it felt like Sour gave that to people. Yeah, there was a lot of comparing it to Jagged Little Pill. You know, that was a hard one for Alanis to follow up too. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, uh, you're kind of, once you have that success at the gate, especially as a sort of precocious young woman and mm -hmm. all of the pitfalls in the industry that that suggests, it's really hard to follow something up like that. But I think she has a really good shot of actually doing it because okay. she's released, I think, two of the best singles of the year in the lead up all to right. this new record. So Okay. Let's talk about those two new singles. Yeah. Tell our listeners what they are and what they sound like to you. So first we get Vampire, which begins as though it's going to be Driver's License Part 2. It's got the mm. real melodramatic, sparse piano arrangement. hate to give the satisfaction asking how you're doing now. How's the castle built of people you pretend to care about just what you want? But then it really builds to something else beginning in the second verse. It becomes like... A different song. Almost this, like, rock opera yeah. song. Yeah. Every girl I ever talked to told me you were bad, bad news. You called them crazy. God, I hate the way I called them crazy, too. You're so crazy. There's a real driving force to it. Some really fun, like, rock percussion and just the melodrama. She's telling off this older ex of hers that was using her for her fame and, and all sorts of, you know, barbed lyrics that mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to quote <laughs> or not on this <laughs> podcast. But, um, the single's you know, already she, out. You can quote it. She Well, she always has a way with a curse word. Which lyric did you like the best? Well, she calls the guy a fame fucker. Sucker, fame fucker, bleeding me dry like Goddamn vampire. Baby. First Baby. time I heard that. She calls like, him a fame fucker, then calls him a vampire. And it's like, damn, you you are not over this man. You're no, not. No. <laughs> but I love that song. I love, you know, I think you pointed out before something that I think really sets her apart from a lot of her peers making, you know, sort of the bedroom pop, like more kind of quiet music is that she can really sing in this, like, musical theater way. Yeah. You know, so there's a really awesome moment in the, the lead-up to the chorus of Vampire where it's this escalating melody. Like, you're kind of singing along to an Olivia Rodrigo song, and then you get to a place where you're like, oh, wow, I can't hit that I note. I can't do it anymore. But she can. Yeah. Yeah. 
And she always kind of has that in her back pocket. Like, she's kind of stealthily a really strong singer. Yeah. And busted out, like, when she needs to hit that note, but then can also, like, dial it back back. in this way. A A lot of these songs, like Vampire, they start out bedroom pop, and she's singing softly, like all the bedroom pop girlies. And then in the middle of the bridge or the pre-chorus, she walks to the front yard, leaves the bedroom, and starts yelling at her neighbors. Yeah. And you're like, yes, girl. (laughs) What's the other single? How do we feel about that one? Um, I love the other one, too. And and it... Again, like this, the lead up to Sour, it's just these two totally different registers mm-hmm. of hers. So we get Vampire mm-hmm. and then we get Bad Idea, right? Which is probably the most fun song yeah. she's put out to date. It's this really bouncy, lightly self deprecating. It <laughs> tale. feels like brutal. It feels like Brutal, which is the opening track on Sour. And, yeah. and, and like this kind of sing talking that she does is very yeah. brutal energy. Brutal, I think, is this sort of like primal scream about like teen angst and how yeah. teens are depicted by yeah. adults in the media and everything else. And Bad Idea Right feels different for her because it's this tale of her you know making her mistakes so to speak she's it's the tale of her hooking up with an ex basically and also sidebar that's not a mistake that's just the way the world goes (laughs) olivia don't hold that over your head we've all been there that's being 20 years old as she is it's being 39 years old (laughs) go ahead (laughs) let's be real let's be real fuck it it's fine yes i know So, you know, the, I think that song's really fun. And again, the sonic palette of it is both in her lane that we've come to expect, but pulling from these, like, new things, too. Like you said, there's almost this, like, speak-sing kind of, like, cheerleader chant quality to it. But it kind of sounds like it could have been in, like, an early aughts teen movie, but there's this real rock edge to it as well. I think it's a really exciting song and like just proof that again she's I don't think she's trying to chase trends in the way that you might think someone following up a successful debut like that would be like it feels like she still just sounds very much like herself stay with us we get into why Olivia Rodrigo is a lowercase girl with caps lock feelings that's after the break Also, if you enjoy this show, give us a rating and a review. We appreciate it. You know the drill. Thanks. Love you. Mean it. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Something that you wrote in your review of Sour that I think carries over to these two new singles we've heard from the new album. It was you calling Olivia a, quote, lowercase girl with caps lock feelings. I love that. Define that. Explain that. I love it so. Thank you. I mean, I think it's a little bit of what we were, at least on the musical level, what we were talking about before of this way she's able to sort of calibrate her voice. Mm. And, you know, I think there is, especially at the the time that her last record came out a few years ago, there really was a sense that, like, the big pop hits were getting quieter. And there's this sense, you know, it's the Billie Eilish era. It's Taylor Swift going folklore. There was a quieting down. Who was the one where I was like, okay, I guess you can make a whole album like this. Claro? Yeah. God bless it. Very lowercase. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like there there was this kind of scaling back. Sometimes like Mm -hmm. it can get a little boring when you're just only working in that palette. Mm-hmm. I love that Olivia knows when to kick it up and to hit the caps lock and just really start belting, start getting a little extreme and excessive and loud. And I think that that dynamism, like you hear it in her songs, but I think it's true of like the emotional disclosure of her songs too. She's sort of holding back at times, and I, you know, this is what I felt when I was in the relationship, but now Mm -hmm. I feel this. And I think that's fun to kind of toggle back and forth that way. Like, you never really know what to expect from her. We should talk here now about what I think might be a reason Olivia feels so nostalgic for folks my age. I'm 39. Um, She has a co-producer and co-writer who was about my age. His name is Dan Nigro. Uh, He is a geriatric millennial, former (laughs) emo punk rocker who now writes with Olivia. Who is he and what is this partnership? So they are working together again on this record. He was in a band called As Tall as Lions, which was sort of a Long Island emo band. Uh, Is there any song of theirs that I would know? I don't even think I know any of their songs. (laughs) I I have friends that are going to murder me for that, too. But (laughs) I was more on the New Jersey side of... The ah, emo divide. Not okay. that there was one, but it's I was on the like, dashboard confessional side. Well, that yeah. man. Weren't Good we God. all? Oof, Weren't go we ahead. all? Sorry. But I think that's a good 
point to bring up that she's also like, in addition to working in this mm-hmm. bedroom pop idiom, she's also reaching back to millennial emo and pop punk that I think both she has a natural affinity towards that, but I think that's also the role that Dan Nigro is filling. And I think that's a thing too. Like I'm sure after the success of Sour, every producer was knocking on her door, oh, like yeah. wanting, you know, yeah. to make a hit Imagine for her. like an Olivia Rodrigo Pharrell album. Oh my God. <laughs> I liked them both. I would have said no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I think that's another way that, you know, by the smartest thing for her to do was to not switch up the aesthetic yeah. thing so much and just yeah. keep the growth to the songwriting and the experiences. So I can't help but think about Dan Nigro working with Olivia Rodrigo without thinking about Jack Antonoff, mm-hmm. who has also become a man in pop who is known for helping the leading women of pop make their music. Jack Antonoff worked with Taylor Swift for her latest album, Midnight's. He's worked with Lana Del Rey. He's worked with Lord. Um, he's one of at least two men, him and Dan, helping the current reigning women of pop make music that feels very much made for women and girls. I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like write with who you want to write with, but isn't it ironic? <laughs> To quote Atlantis, that these two men are all up in it. Yeah, and I think what's even more ironic is like they're both coming out of scenes or a scene, basically the same sort of pop punk emo universe um, Mm -hmm. that was really not friendly to women at the time. You know that that we were paying attention to it. Yeah, not only were there really not any bands with women in them or definitely not women fronting them, like very, yeah. very few. Uh, but there was just a lot of like active misogyny in the music and mm-hmm. everything was blamed on the ex-girlfriend or the girl mm-hmm. that didn't like you. And, you know, as someone that grew up with that music and was trying to like reconcile it with my awakening feminism, it was a very confusing time because I, I loved that music, but the lyrics... You know, we're, yeah. we're, and the just total lack of anyone but a white man <laughs> singing about yeah. a straight white man well, singing yeah. about girls. And so I, and the girl was always a problem in the songs. Always. Yeah. The girl was the reason that the guy in the song was sad and angry. Totally. So there's something fun, you know, even though I think Olivia's music is hitting on more of like a mainstream pop register. Mm hmm. At the same time, like, it's just, like, a refreshing space to hear a female perspective. And even as someone that, like, I'm older than Olivia Rodrigo and her target audience, probably, but it's, like, filling a need that I didn't get met when I was her age. I'm so sick of 17. Where's my fucking teenage dream? If someone tells me one more time, enjoy your youth, I'm gonna cry. When we talk about this 90s emo punk scene that really wasn't nice to women what for you is the quintessential song from that moment from that era for you wow i mean there's so many i guess taking back sunday (laughs) i loved that band and i loved their big sing-along songs but it was sort of cute without the e it has like the violence 
right there in the title. Oh, and, and there's this yeah, kind of yeah. like, because this girl broke up with me or this girl won't pay attention to me, I wish her dead in some gruesome way. Yeah. You know, I I had those CDs and I sang along to those songs and, you know, the just all of the sort of ambient <laughs> misogyny mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was inhaled every day in the culture in in that time that I think we're at least a little bit more aware of now. Yeah. Or finding ways to balance that out with just some more female perspective and just some more like recognition of the humanity on the other side of these songs. Um, it's gotten better a little bit, it seems. Yeah. 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 I want to, you know, we've already kind of talked about where Olivia stands compared to her direct peers or predecessors from like the Disney machine and how she kind of came out of that in a different way than they were forced to. But I want to just take a second to compare and contrast with you Olivia Rodrigo to the two women in pop she is perhaps most compared to. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift and Alanis Morissette. We've mm. mentioned them both. But I want to take a second to see how much of those comparisons are fair and how much of them are not. Let's start with Alanis. Let's start with Alanis. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, when you hear people compare to Alanis Morissette, what do you think? I mean, I think the sort of shorthand in the culture that she has come to stand for is this, like, connection to young women's anger. Like, I think yeah. we, we think you ought to know. I think the Jagged Little Pill thing was both, oh, wow, she made a whole album of songs that show this, like, varied experience of a young woman from all these different perspectives, but also, like, being in touch with anger and having, like, you know, some songs that are more quiet and introspective and then a song like Good For You that's I'm going to call you out on your bullshit kind of thing. And, and that's, you know, I think something that we came to associate with Alanis at, mm-hmm. at the Jagged Little Pill era and just the sense of like really having these lyrics that feel a little florid, a little diaristic at times, but also really barbed when they need to be and mm-hmm. and know, I think Olivia really knows how to like wield words as weapons. I feel like she's someone who is observing, taking a lot in, and then, you know, sort of, again, with the lowercase girl thing, like, she's quiet, but she's stealthy. <laughs> she's, mm-hmm. She knows more than you think she knows, yeah. and she will deploy it at the right time. So I think in some sense, that's, like, a quality I associate with that era of Alanis, too. Although we have to point out that Olivia was not alive when Jagged oh Little Pill came God. out. Which... You should have never told me that. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <sighs> More about Olivia Rodrigo after the break.
Oh, let's move on. Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, I and I'm I, I'm very intrigued by what you have to say about this because mm-hmm. part of Olivia's first album was directly referencing Taylor Swift, and it seemed as if Taylor Swift never liked to speak about that. So what we do know <laughs> and what we can say, well, Olivia grows up yes. as a Swifty. How can you not? Yeah. Big Swifty um, has explicitly, like, mentioned Taylor as her biggest influence Mm -hmm. early in her career. And then has a few really direct nods to her on Sour and also some indirect nods. So we get the song um, One Step Forward, Three Steps Back. Called you on the phone today Just to ask you how you are She's actually, like, sampling the piano line from the Taylor Swift song, New Year's Day. Mm. There's glitter on the floor after the party. And, you know, gives her songwriting credit there. Yeah. But your your aforementioned favorite, Deja Vu, I don't consider that an interpolation of a Taylor Swift song, but whoever, I don't know if Taylor does this, if her team, like whatever, but they get songwriting credit on Deja Vu after the fact and say that it is interpolating Cruel Summer. Specifically at the part where she's just sort of shouting the lyrics at the end, and I don't know about that. Is it the same words? No. It's just the shouting? It's just the shouting and, like, mm. the quality of the shouting. I, the quality of the shout. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then there's also, I believe, Good For You, like, a similar thing happened with Paramore, where they said it was... Oh, that one tracked. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Good For You the first time, and I was like, where is Haley? Yeah. Get her on the phone. <laughs> so that one, that one, I think, has holds a little more water. But but it's an, I think the interesting point is, like, how much in this era do you explicitly pay homage to your idols, especially when your idols, like, you're in a position where your idols are becoming, I don't want to say your competition, but your peers. Oh, and yeah. I, oh, yeah. So I think that there's been an interesting... Um, you know, little shift, and I don't want to, like, start beef where there's not any, but it does not seem like <laughs> there has been, like, I haven't seen Olivia at the Eras tour, is all I'm saying. She was and, in in a recent New York Times profile of her, she, I think she was asked about Taylor, and she basically was like, oh, uh, yeah, I haven't gone to the tour yet, I've been in Europe. And you're like, yeah. mm, okay, okay. <laughs> um I do wonder, though, with all of the, you sampled me, you owe me a songwriting credit, Mm -hmm. how much of that is specifically Paramore or Taylor, and how much of that is just how much the record industry has changed? All of these labels are a lot more litigious about creative ideas. Like, you think about Beyonce's latest album. She had to cite, like, 100 samples. Yeah. And I think she did it out of caution. Because we're in a moment now where labels will really go after you in a way they weren't maybe 20 years ago. And I think a fun sort of counterexample of all this is that another 
very, like, I think a more explicit interpolation on the song Brutal. Uh, a lot of people are like, this sounds like Elvis Costello's Pump It Up. Ah. And he actually was like, yeah, it does, and I don't care. I think it's awesome. Like, <laughs> Good for he Elvis. didn't ask to be like credited or whatever. Elvis. So yeah. I think like maybe it's slightly a generational thing, but also just like all music. It's is all paying homage it's to what came derivative. before. Like, it's a dangerous game to start, yeah. you know, unless it's like really, really explicit in the melody or the lyrics or something like that. And even then, I think it's case to case of yeah. whether you want to be litigious or be Elvis Costello about it. (laughs) Yeah. And most pop songs only use four chords. And there's only so many chords that you There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I cannot help thinking about how Olivia's new album is going to be situated within this year of pop culture. Mm -hmm. 2023 seems like Culture-wise, it's just the year of the woman. The two biggest tours in the country and the world are coming from Beyonce and Taylor Swift. The biggest movie of the year is Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. You go online, large swaths of the social internet are obsessed with putting the word girl on everything. This is my meal. <laughs> I call this girl dinner. Girl, girl, dinner. girl dinner. Feral girl summer. What is a feral girl, you ask? How oh, I love being a woman. This year feels women, girl, and femme oriented. Does that make 2023 a perfect landing pad for this new Olivia album or something else? I think it remains to be seen, but I hope I hope so. <laughs> okay. I, I think that sort of brings me to like a quality of her music that I find interesting and why again it fits in this moment, but is also like commenting on it too. Mm. I think something that she is able to do really well and that feels like an authentic part of being young and alive in the social media era and in a time when, you know, you're bombarded by all these messages specifically of self-love and therapy speak and boundaries and all these things we're always talking about. Like, there's a sense in her music, yes, she knows she's supposed to be supportive of other women and get over Mm -hmm. her ex and Mm -hmm. not give him power over the way she thinks, but it's really hard. And she still is kind of giving voice to, like, the difference between the messages that you're getting, particularly as a young woman, of, like, how you're supposed to be in this positive way. Um, but, like, the song Jealousy, Jealousy. I kind of want to throw my phone across the room Because all I see your girl's too good to be true With Which is a really, I think, incisive oh, yeah. one off That's of Sour, where she's mm. talking about comparing yourself on social media. And she's like, I know... Their beauty is not my lack, et cetera, et cetera. But still, it hurts. Can't let it go. Come comparison is killing me slowly. I think I think too 
she both like speaks to that moment in the culture and the idea of like you have to feel empowered all the time as a woman mm-hmm. and also speaks to like the very lived in difficulty of like living up to all those messages but then i think just like her being a person and giving voice to these in between human experiences is kind of the most empowering thing of all As an aside, you are a culture writer I admire a lot, who writes a lot about the culture and women. How do you feel personally about this 2023 being the year of Barbie and Beyonce and Taylor and Hot Girl everything? How do you feel about it? That's like a whole other episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an hour-long answer to that. I think there's a lot of positives, and then Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of ways that the messaging gets flattened a little bit. And again, I I think, if anything, like, Olivia's music, that quality that I like about it of just, like, knowing all the messaging out there, knowing what the greater narrative is on the internet, in pop culture, and in some ways, like, trying that on and having fun with it, but in other ways, just letting yourself be a little exhausted by all of it and sometimes Mm -hmm. say, like, this doesn't really fit how I feel today, though. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I would love to see more of and that I think she's, like, providing, like, in some ways, like, she's in this summer of the woman world, Mm -hmm. but she's providing an antidote to it at the same time, if that's possible. Last question for you. Um, Many listeners are going to hear this podcast interview all about Olivia Rodrigo before they actually hear Olivia's new album. What would you advise them to listen for as they play that album for the first time? I would say listen to Sour before. Yes. Because I think that's really a snapshot of her three to four years ago. Mm -hmm. And then be ready and open to how she's changed in that time. Like I got to see her on tour when she played at Radio City. um, I think it was last summer. And I remember feeling like I could tell in some of the banter, Mm. those songs were already the past for her. Wow. Those were high school for her. I know we weren't perfect, but I've never felt this way for no one. And this is her like, you know, I'm 20 now. She's at the college dorm, baby. Yeah, like, I'm exploring Mm -hmm. the world and stuff, and I remember feeling like I think she's on to something else. And I'm very excited to hear whatever it is. Because you said forever, now I drive alone past your street. You said forever, now I drive alone past your street. Thanks again to Lindsay Zolads, pop music critic at the New York Times. Also, check me out on Today Explained. That's a daily news podcast from our friends over at Vox. I've been guest hosting, and I have an episode in their feed right now that you should listen to all about how American sunscreen is worse than all the other sunscreen all over the world. Truly, the FDA is involved. I tell you all about it. 
Go check it out, Today Explained, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. Listeners, we are back on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then... Just start randomly texting your friends Olivia Rodrigo lyrics and see what happens. Okay, bye. Bye.